But I will note that even with taking these steps, uh, some women's perineum just, just tears regardless of what they do. Like sometimes it's just what your body needs to do to get your baby out. Welcome to the podcast where we get into the real and raw of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. My name is Hannah Gill. I'm a VIAC mom, doula, and birth educator, and I help women discover their options and harness their inner power to have the experiences they desire. I'm here to support you through the ebbs and flows of these transformative years so we can have open and honest conversations about the hard, the messy, and the beautiful parts of motherhood. This is the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. Welcome back to the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. This is episode number four, and today I am doing another Q&A episode. Thank you for continuing to submit your questions. If you would like to have a question answered on the podcast, you can go to ebbandflowbirthco.com slash question or DM me on Instagram at ebbandflowbirthco. Also, as a reminder, if you submit a rating or review the podcast on your podcast platform and take a screenshot of that and send me that screenshot at ebbandflowbirthco.com slash pod review. I will email you a gift, which is going to be um, printable, downloadable pregnancy and birth affirmation cards. So if you are liking the podcast, please rate or review, snap a screenshot, and send it to me, evanflowbirthco.com slash pod review. Okay, let's get into our questions for today. The first question is, in relation to unmedicated birth, how do you navigate the unknown of labor, how long labor will be, time in between contractions, etc.? So first I want to say, regardless of if you birth unmedicated or or with an epidural or any other type of medication, there are going to be unknowns to navigate. Birth is unpredictable, but that's one reason I feel it's so important to fully educate yourself on the good outcomes, the bad outcomes, the ugly, the beautiful, everything about it, uh, so you can be prepared for the unknown as much as you can be, at least. And Honestly, I think navigating the unknown really has to do with your mindset surrounding birth and trusting that it's a process process that will look different for everyone and for every birth. So I know it, it can seem scary and daunting, but it is. It's a big life event, a life process, and it's going to look different for everyone. So it's, I know it's hard not to do so and play the comparison game, but you can't compare your birth to anyone else's or even multiple of your birth to each other. So your first birth could be vastly different from your second, third, fourth, et cetera. So just really trusting that it's a process, it's going to unfold how it needs to, and that it will look different for everyone. But in relation to medicated versus unmedicated and navigating the unknown, so for unmedicated specifically, just take it one contraction or wave at a time and assess your mind and your body and what you need throughout labor. And you can plan to go unmedicated, but you can always change that plan. So if it gets to the point where your body just needs to rest, then then 
navigate that the way you see fit and um, look at your options for different for different pain medications um, or not even pain medications, maybe just uh, pain coping techniques um, outside of outside of yourself. So that could be a lot of things and I can go into that in my, I'm doing an unmedicated birth episode soon, which I can go into more. Um, and then in relation to medicated birth, as far as the, uh, there's still unknowns with medicated birth. So epidurals can fail. It's not common, but it does happen. I think about 10 to 12% of epidurals end up failing or they can be too strong, like was the case with my first birth or not strong enough. So there are unknowns that come with medicated birth in general as well. So just remember that um, it really just, it's a mindset thing more than anything, navigating uh, the potential unknown outcomes of labor and birth. Second question is, if you had a malpositioned baby, like breech, asynclitic, or posterior, how likely is it to happen a second time? And how do these positions affect an unmedicated birth? So really the reasoning for the malposition is a very big factor. Like I said, every birth is going to be different. Even your own multiple births will be different. But positioning for mom throughout pregnancy and birth can play a role in malposition of baby. So for example, do you recline a lot like in a recliner or cross your legs often, which are things that can cause some misalignment of the pelvis and could p- potentially put baby in a bad position? Do you have a tight pelvic floor um, or tight abdominal muscles? Those could have a lot to do with malposition as well, because if those ligaments and muscles are not loose enough for baby to move around or engage properly, that can cause some issues. So chiropractic care and pelvic floor therapy can help with those things. And then another question would be, were you confined to the bed during labor? Um, because that if you're not moving around yourself, then it's going to be difficult for a baby to get in a good position if you're if you're staying in one position. And then if you were up and moving around, were you changing positions often? So you could be unmedicated and and moving around, but if you're not, if you're still staying in the same position for a long period of time, it's not going to help baby get into a good position. And then having an unmedicated labor and birth can actually help with poor positioning because your body is able to respond to the different positions baby may be in. If they are stuck in a weird position, you may feel certain things and feel like your body innately needs to move into different positions to help baby get aligned. And if baby is still having issues repositioning, so for example, say baby is posterior or OP and they just don't want to move, then contractions may be more intense. I've, I've heard a lot of women say that they have really bad back labor if their baby is OP, which is a sign that they could be OP. So if you are unmedicated, just uh, try to think of ways to help cope with that, that labor pain if baby is OP. And it is still possible to birth an, an OP baby. It will just be a bit more work and it may take a little bit longer. So because baby's face is up, they're standing side up and their head is pushing back on your tailbone. That's why the back labor is usually a, a sign of OP. And it'll just take a little bit more work to get baby out and helping baby move by you yourself moving around into different positions is very helpful. Question number three, how can I get past the fear of tearing during birth? 
So first I want to have you ask yourself, why are you fearful of tearing? Is it the pain or the concern of prolonged like pelvic floor issues because of the tearing? Tearing is one of the primary concerns I hear women talk about when it comes to birth. And I've I really never understood why people are so worried about it. Uh, sometimes it's just what your body needs to do to birth your baby. And it can be a completely normal part of the process. And I personally had a second degree tear with my, my VBAC and I never even noticed it during birth or postpartum. I feel like when you when you birth, regardless of if you tear, like everything just feels funky down there anyway. And severe tears, like third and fourth degree tears that actually get into like the sphincter and potentially to the rectum, only occur anywhere from two to seven percent of births. And it depends on a, a bunch of different factors, but uh, that percentage also decreases with subsequent vaginal birth. So if you've given birth vaginally before, your risk goes down. It's higher for a first-time mom, obviously, because you've never been through the birth process before. Like you've never pushed a baby out of your vagina. So those muscles and ligaments and, and tissues, just they're learning what to do. And that's just sometimes what happens. And there are steps that can be taken to reduce risk of tearing, such as slow and controlled mother-led pushing, so not coached pushing, pushing in positions that allow gravity to help baby descend, uh, potentially perennial massage and warm compress, and then waiting on your body to be ready to push. So waiting for that reflex for your uterus to start pushing your baby out on its own. But I will note that even with taking these steps, uh, some women's perineum just just tears regardless of what they do. Like sometimes it's just what your body needs to do to get your baby out. And if one of your primary concerns is the prolonged pelvic floor issues, you can still have those problems just from being pregnant that it puts a lot of pressure on your pelvic floor. And if you have a C-section. So it doesn't have to be a vaginal birth that has tearing for you to have pelvic floor problems. Just being pregnant itself can cause some issues and C-section as well because you are cutting into all those pelvic floor tissues. And that is one reason why pelvic floor physical therapy is so important during pregnancy, postpartum, and even years down the road to assess those problems. So really just ask yourself like, why am I so scared of tearing? Do a little bit of self-reflection there. Um, if it's the pain, I mean, I had, like I said, an unmedicated birth with my VBAC and I didn't even know I tore. <laughs> and then there's some people that have like a first or second degree tear when they have an epidural and they don't notice it either. Um, if you did tear unmedicated, you will be numbed locally, like with lidocaine to stitch up if stitches are needed. But yeah, so if it's if it's the pain, I mean, birth has some, some sensations and pain associated with it, but it's a lot of it's just part of the process. That was a nice quick Q&A episode for the week. Again, for these Q&As, I'll answer three to four questions, usually some of them shorter, some of them longer, but I do like answering your guys' questions because sometimes I, I just want to make sure the content I'm creating is something that you want. So if you're asking me questions and I'm able to answer them, then I know I'm I'm serving you guys and giving you what you need. And some of these questions that you guys submit may need longer answers. So if that is the case, then I can do whole episodes with one question as well. If there is a uh, 
a more in-depth answer that you would need for the the question. If it is something that you would like me to go in depth on, please specify that when you ask the question. So you can ask a question and say, could you do a whole episode on this topic? I would love that. I would love to do that for you. Thank you guys so much for listening today and I will see you next week. You just finished another episode of the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. For more, head over to ebbandflowbirthco.com or on Instagram at ebbandflowbirthco. As a reminder, this podcast is provided to you for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice. Until next time, bye friends. Bye friends.